0: Your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Solom. All right, welcome to a Thursday of Lacrosse Talk PM. I am Rick Solom. I am joined this hour by Lacrosse County District Attorney Tim Granke. How are you, Tim? Doing good. It'd be Trying fun. Cool. It'd be fun if you said you were. Well, it wouldn't be fun, but it'd be kind of interesting if you said you're. Do- I'm not doing good at all, and then we'd have to really get into it. Like, what's wrong? Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. I- so Go ahead. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, and Tim's calling in because, uh, it's really hot out. Moontoon's is happening. I think, I guess I didn't look at the calendar and then there's all kinds of construction down here. So it's kind of a uh, hairy to get downtown. So, uh, are you calling from your, did I call your office or are you like sitting in a lounger at home right now?
1: I'm at my office. Oh, okay. We're-
0: oh man. I, f- I kind of feel bad making you sit at your office for another hour, but all right. It's all the- right. The uh, the the things you have to do um, on, on the show today, I want to I'll just give people a rundown of, of kind of the some of the stuff going on. Um, just in, in general, I want to talk to Tim about some of the trends happening uh, that he's maybe been seeing. And we didn't deep dive into the numbers. I, I really just going to I threw him this two minutes before the show. So he's not going to have numbers, but maybe like, is there a rise in gun violence, drugs or or, or lowering? Are we seeing anything good or bad happening in the community the last couple of months? Um I also want to ask him some questions about the the Trump stuff going on. I'm pretty oblivious to this stuff when it comes to like what what means, what anything means. And I don't know if I'm alone. I don't watch court shows or stuff like that or police shows. So when when they throw terminology that may seem like the most basic terminology, I'm like, "Yeah, I don't I don't actually know what that means." So I'm going to throw Tim some of those some of those terms and and maybe other people feel the same way. Uh, Other other things we're gonna hit hit on. I had uh, a police sergeant with the Lacrosse Police Department on yesterday. We were talking about OWIs, Minnesota's legalized marijuana. So I want to talk about that in in terms of what Tim sees with the District Attorney's office and uh, some other stuff surrounding uh, marijuana. And then gun stuff. We had a we had a mass shooting a couple what a month ago or so or eh, maybe a little over a month ago. Uh, I don't think anyone says that a lot, Tim, but, but it was, it defined the way it was that drive by shooting was a mass shooting, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, under most definitions, uh, there were fortunately no deaths, but there were seven people injured in a shooting. Uh, so under most definitions, you'd call it a mass shooting. Uh, I think unfortunately when people die, it makes bigger news. Um, and we didn't have any deaths, thankfully.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, and I don't know how much you could talk about that because you're you're like involved in that, and it ha- we haven't closed. We probably won't close that thing for a couple of years, right?
1: Uh, well, it's still open. It's hard to say how long it'll take. That depends on a lot of factors, but at least a few months, if not a year, for most cases.
0: Yeah, because I'm I'm just going off the uh, the West Salem triple homicide that took a long time. It, was that a little different because? That, that it took that long to get to a resolution? We haven't even gotten to a resolution there yet.
1: Right. That one's a little different because it happened during COVID. So COVID did stretch out a lot of cases. Normally, I tell people, most cases take about a year to resolve. Sometimes it's a little six months, sometimes longer. But I think an average is a good average is a year. Um, COVID did stretch out a lot of cases, though.
0: Okay. And, and then before we get to any of that, and before we go to the first news break, uh, there, there was some information that's come out recently from the La Crosse Police Department. A 45-year-old woman was found dead uh, in the area of the Bud Hendrickson Trail. Some A woman on Saturday walking her dog, of all things, uh, ended up finding her. Do, we ha- do you have any information there, Tim? Is it, is it, uh, is, would there be a murder charge, or do we know any of that stuff?
1: Uh, well, the police have released her name. Uh, her name was Julia Hedum, or Hedum, And, uh, they've identified her and the investigation is ongoing as to the cause of death. And so it's still an ongoing case.
0: All right. And then the, well, the police does, how does this work? The police determine that, yeah, it would have been, if they determined it would have been a murder, then it would, they, they have to determine that. And then they would file charges and then you would get that information.
1: Right. Uh, they, have de- to develop evidence that there was a homicide and then of course find a suspect and enough evidence to charge and then it would come to my office.
0: Oh, okay. So we actually need a suspect there before you you get involved?
1: Uh officially involved, yes. Unofficially I'm aware of what's going on in the investigation process, but officially involved once there's been an arrest made. Okay. Yep.
0: All right. Sounds good. Um well it doesn't sound good at all, but uh all right, we're gonna take a, a quick break when we'll return, we're going to get to all that stuff with La Crosse County District Attorney Tim Grinky. We'll be back. All right, welcome back to La Crosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Solom. I'm on the phone with me for this hour is La Crosse County District Attorney Tim Grinke. So if you have questions, shoot me a text 608-785-7914. Uh, if it's an ongoing case, I'll just t- I'll just say it first, Tim. If it's something that's ongoing, you're not going to be able to answer too many questions, right?
1: Uh, other than things that are already in the public record, right?
0: Okay. Um, all right. So first, real quick, I just, um, oh, you know what? Are you, we, we, we're talking about the election. We're going to talk about Donald Trump here for a second. Um, 2024, is this a Tim Grinky year too? So
1: 2024, uh, I'm up for election, yes.
0: So you and Trump on the same ballot.
1: Maybe if he wins the Republican
0: nomination. I, I guess, and if you decide you're going to run for district attorney, you could break that news right now if you want.
1: Right, yeah, I am. Yes. Okay. If we're, you think that's breaking news, sure. Yes, breaking news.
0: Tim Grinky is going to run for his, which would be your, well, I know how many years you've been. So this, you're in your year 15. So if I'm doing the math, is would this be your fifth term? I don't know. They're four-year yes, well, so. four, four year terms, right? Four, eight, 12, 16. Yeah, fifth term. Yep. All right, good math, Rick. Uh, Hortonville High School, baby. Um, all right, so this this might be very just basic, and that's kind of what I want to do with this because I when I hear this that kind of stuff, I just like it. Kind of goes in one year and out the other, and I don't I don't read a whole lot about the uh, the Trump trials going on right now because it's just out of my hands. It's not going to affect me in any way whatsoever at this point. But um, w- what do you want to do first here, Tim? The term grand the the phrase grand jury, or the phrase indictment. Is there one that we should talk to you about first before the other?
1: Um, well, I guess they go hand in hand. I'll do, I'll do both together. Um, Wisconsin does not use a grand jury system. A lot of other states do, and the federal system does. So a grand jury is a way of charging somebody with a crime. You bring in citizens, uh, for jury duty, but instead of hearing a trial, they're just hearing evidence from the prosecution to see if there's probable cause to charge somebody with a crime. So after the grand jury is done, they recommend the charges and then the document is called the indictment. So it's just, in our system, we'd call it criminal complaint. So the indictment is the document that says, here's what you're charged with. And that's why we say people who receive that have been indicted. The federal system uses that. Some states use that. Wisconsin just has a different system. So we don't have those terms. We charge people in a criminal complaint. And then if the felony, we use a preliminary hearing where a judge determines whether there's enough probable cause instead of jurors. Um, And so it's, our system is a little bit different than the federal, and all it means is uh, people have been charged with a crime. A grand jury found there was enough evidence to charge them, and the indictment is the document that lists what the charges are.
0: Does it happen in reverse order in Wisconsin? Like we get a criminal complaint and then we go to jury? or do, am I... Nope. Uh, nope,
1: we don't even have a grand jury. Okay. We, we start with a criminal complaint, and then we go to a judge, and that's a preliminary hearing. So we don't have a grand jury. Uh, is that just a different way of doing it?
0: Yeah, is a, is that just a federal thing? Because if states did that, it would just be a, just a whole lot of extra work?
1: No, some states do it. I, I believe New York does it. Uh, I believe a couple of other states out east do that. Um, it's just there's nothing in the Constitution that says which way is the necessary one. Uh, it's just up to the states to decide, and our state has decided we're not going to do grand juries. We're going to have the prosecutors charge, and then the judges determine if there's a probable cause in the complaint. Just a different process.
0: It probably makes less news when the grand jury comes away and goes, ah, there's nothing here.
1: Yeah, well, I think they're, they're confidential, and if there's no charges filed, I don't know if that's even ever released. Um, I'm not sure about that. But it's really pretty easy to get a grand jury to issue charges because if you've got enough evidence to go to them, it's just probable cause. So the issuing the complaint is a pretty easy thing for a prosecutor to do, assuming you've got some evidence to show the person committed a crime. So my guess is there aren't too many times when grand juries come back and say, no, there's not enough evidence.
0: Okay. That makes sense. Um, all right. And then uh, I, I just, I took some quick notes. Uh, there's three indictments. So essentially there's three criminal complaints for Donald Trump at this point.
1: Yeah. I haven't been following all the nitty gritty of it, but I believe there's three separate places where he's facing indictments or complaints. And uh, the latest one involves uh, his actions around the January 6th incident at the U.S. Capitol. Um, Another one, another indictment related to his um, hiding or keeping or retaining the documents that were uh, secret or confidential. And I think there's even a couple other grand juries out there that are still investigating him, I think in Georgia, um, to determine whether or not there was any uh, interference with their election. So there's yeah, a couple different places where he's got separate complaints. I guess for us, the comparison would be if you had separate complaints in different counties to answer to. They're totally separate cases, not related, and different prosecutors, different judges involved.
0: Are you somebody that pays a lot of attention to uh, like this stuff in the news, even, even if it's not presidential, but like even in lesser-known cases?
1: Not a lot, but, but some. I didn't pay a lot of attention to what was happening with... Uh, former president Trump until the latest one. That one's a little more interesting to me. What happened on January 6th? Yeah. The other ones I didn't really dive into to understand all the ins and outs of it. Yeah. Um, So sometimes yes, sometimes no. And I'll just say the, the,
0: the hush money payments to stormy Daniels, there's 34 felony counts there, I believe, or yeah, felony counts. The classified docs case is 37 counts and the January 6th insurrection thing at this point, is four charges, which you said are also f- counts. Could they be not felony? Is that the deal there?
1: Um, no, I think they're all felonies. Um, the federal system has mostly felonies. There aren't very many misdemeanors. Um, charges and counts are the same, just different way of different words, but it means the same thing. He's got four counts okay. or charges against them in the most recent case.
0: And is there any comparison here with, with I mean, you're we're talking, and the, you're right, the Georgia thing, I kind of forgot about that one. So it could be four indictments. Um, is there any comparison here with like somebody in the, in, in the mainstream that, that has this many things against them?
1: Well, not that I can think of. Um, I mean, There's a lot to have going on at once. So not, not that I can think of.
0: Yeah. It just seems it's crazy. Um, all right. Moving on. What was the other thing we were going to talk about? That was, Oh, the weed, right? Like marijuana. That was yeah. the other thing I want to talk about before we go to break. We're going to come back and talk about guns. And this weed conversation might, might trickle into the next one. I had uh sergeant danny mondahano on yesterday and i don't know if you know him tim but he was yeah. he's a he's a Dre officer a Doctor Dre, i call him uh it'd be funny yeah. if and i said this yesterday too it'd be funny if you you if we found an acronym that could be a snoop in terms of uh going for drugs because uh i think mm-hmm. snoop dogs just you know he's well known for smoking a lot of weed um but we, we talked about owis a little bit uh, is is that do you guys anticipate like what is the conversation with you the the police you know all law enforcement because they're all under you know you they're all working with you in in terms of lacrosse county law enforcement uh minnesota's legalized marijuana do you guys have a conversation be like all right hey we really we we really gotta watch out for this or we gotta i don't know what's the conversation i guess
1: we we've a little bit of a conversation about you know, whether or not we're going to see any increase or not. But to be honest, uh, you know, I think it's been around a long time. I mean, finding people that are impaired and are driving due to alcohol or drugs or marijuana or even prescription drugs has, has been around for a long time. So I'm not sure we'll see an increase. I think most people still don't want to drive impaired. So just because marijuana is legal, I don't think means necessarily that more people are going to be driving while they're under the influence, although we'll see. We don't really know what the future will hold. But we've been dealing with it already. There's a lot of people that, even though it's illegal, smoke marijuana, and it's sometimes uh, rather easy to tell that they're under the influence when they're stopped by police for other reasons. So we've been dealing with it for a while, and uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see if we see an actual increase or if it's going to, I guess, keep the same pattern that we've had. Um, I think most people should just realize that it's. if you're actively smoking marijuana, it's not that hard for officers to tell. I mean, there's a distinct smell to you, and you are acting different, and you look different. We see people come to the courthouse under the influence. It's it's not that hard to tell. So uh, most people should just be smart and recognize that if you're going to be using illegal drugs or drinking to excess or using prescription drugs that impair you, don't get behind the wheel of the car because... If you get caught, it's not that hard for the officers to recognize that.
0: It's it's funny because now I I think of a couple other questions I want to ask Mondajano that when I had him on yesterday, as we were talking to you, but the the difference between like, and I'll just use weed because I I just, I don't know. I don't know how to, to, I don't know what other drugs do you. I've smoked weed like 20 years ago, so I kind of know, but like when you drink alcohol, you can have a beer and be like, I'm good. I had a beer, but like when you smoke weed, is it like okay? I took one puff. I'm good. I took, uh, I, I I had one joint. Now I shouldn't. You know what I mean? Is there, like, yeah. is, is the is it the safest bet if you smoked any weed at all or had any marijuana or THC, whatever you want to call it? Don't yep. get behind a wheel. Is that kind of the the best case scenario there?
1: Uh, that's that's my advice um, because a restricted controlled substance, which marijuana or other illegal drugs, you can't you can't have any in your system when you're driving. So. Yeah, even having one hit or one joint, you shouldn't be driving because that would be illegal. Compared to alcohol, there's like a limit. Um, Drugs are different. You can't have any in your system. So you should not be operating a vehicle if you have any illegal drugs in your system. And even if you have legal prescribed drugs but you're impaired, you shouldn't get behind the wheel. So people do need to be careful that it's not like, I feel fine, I should drive. If it's in your system, you can be found guilty.
0: Now please please sir please have a pretty good eye for this. They've they've been trained Dan uh, Mondahano talked about this yesterday. They're, this is nothing new, but um the the one thing and maybe you know maybe you don't. These like I said I have all these other questions now I'm thinking of. Uh they they take they take them in for a blood test. So if I'm under the influence of something that's not even if it's alcohol, but if it's not alcohol, does like weed leave your system in a, in a in a situation where they take a blood test like I I smoked weed yesterday. You know, like, yeah. I'm, I'm not impaired, but it might be in my system, or does that go get out of your blood, you know, after a certain amount of hours?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, I don't know if there's any specific time frame that you can give people as to when it leaves your system, because it depends on, of course, how much and your own, you know, body weight, height, right. things like that, but also whether you're a chronic user or not. Uh, there are some people who are chronic users, meaning, you know, almost every day they're smoking, They may have stuff in their system for quite a while. Um, I've been told by the people that do the research that if you're not a chronic user and you use it once, it should be out of your system, you know, within a few hours. But uh, it's risky. Uh, I'll be honest. My advice to people is don't be doing it if you plan on driving that day because there's no guarantee that it's going to be out of your system. And if you get an accident or, God forbid, hurt somebody and you take your blood as a result, uh, it, it could be a separate charge. So... My advice would be to stay away from it as much as possible, and if you're going to be doing it, make sure you're not driving for quite a while.
0: We'll just do show notes here. Is this something that I would would I have to get someone on from the the hospital or or somebody in this field that could could maybe break down like, hey, if you because because you're right, if I get in an accident and I kill somebody, but I smoked weed like. 37 hours ago but i smoke weed every day or or any other drug right but it's definitely i was definitely not impaired but now i have a broken leg so you're not gonna be able to tell if i'm impaired or not because i got in this accident so you know it just leads to all all sorts of questions because in and i don't know maybe alcohol is the same way but i feel like alcohol leaves your there's a better easier way is there an easier way to test that
1: with alcohol yeah with alcohol it is a pretty standard formula that, that people can use to talk about when it leaves your body and when you get to below that .08 level. But with marijuana or other drugs where there isn't a, a level, it's just whether it's present or not, it's a lot tougher to figure out what the timing would be. So, yeah, somebody from either the crime lab of Wisconsin or somebody in the medical field, uh, pharmacologist, somebody like that could maybe talk better about which drugs stay in your system longer and how it affects you and for how long. Because it's it's not real clear, and that's the danger of using illicit drugs and then driving. It's it may be in your system longer than you think it is, and you may even be impaired longer than you think you are. And so, it is a big risk that you're taking to be driving and using illegal drugs.
0: We're talking with Lacrosse County District Attorney T- Tim Grinke. Uh, obviously about about this weed stuff so the the one other thing and you know actually I probably could take a break here Tim and we can we can come back but the other thing I wanted to talk about before we get into the gun conversation is uh the city of La Crosse's uh kind of exemption for possessing weed but we'll be back after this all right welcome back to La Crosse Talk PM 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line La Crosse County District Attorney Tim Grinky is on kind of learning on the fly here about different things Tim this is just like an hour of like getting Rick up to speed on things that he doesn't know
1: <laughs> we'll try we'll try our best
0: <laughs> but here's what here's my thinking though is if I don't know it then probably other people don't know it I don't think I'm all that naive on some of this stuff maybe the some of the court indictment and grand jury stuff but I feel like that's not all that common we don't talk about indictments and grand juries all that much until maybe the last four years <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, because in Wisconsin we don't have them. So, yeah, would yeah. be a federal case or a different state. All right. So, right before the break, we were talking about
0: uh, driving under the influence, essentially. Is it OWI or DUI? It's OWI here, right? Operating while yeah, we,
1: intoxicated. Yeah, we call it OWI, operating while uh, intoxicated or operating while impaired. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you don't necessarily have to be intoxicated uh, by alcohol, it could also be impaired by alcohol or drugs. And I said I was. I'm
0: kind of learning on the fly here because, and, and over the break, Tim's. We kept talking about this, so I, I kind of got myself up to speed on some of this. So you, you get you get in an accident or you get pulled over, but you're not drunk, but you're uh, you're under the influence of something. And we we had this conversation yesterday with uh, Lacrosse Police, but uh, it's pretty easy for for police to determine whether you're under the influence, even if you got in a car accident. Um, you know, and the airbag hits you, but when police start to interview you, they still will be able to tell, huh?
1: Well, uh, I guess not always, but usually. It's it's usually, practically speaking, something more obvious, either yes or no. If you get an accident, you don't automatically get your blood taken. The police have to have some belief that you have some impairment, either a smell, an order of alcohol or drugs, or something about your behavior, or statements that you make, or something you have in the car. So sometimes people get in an accident, and it's clear. It's like a Cheech and Chong movie where there's smoke pouring out of the windows. It's just obvious this the person's been doing some drugs. Other times they get in an accident, and they're acting a little different, but it could be from the stress or the trauma of the accident. They can't just take your blood. They have to have some information to find it. So in most cases, it's not really like we're accidentally stumbling across people who have drugs in their blood, it's usually more obvious in most cases if the person admits to being under the influence or there's some odor or maybe they have stuff in a car with them. That makes it pretty obvious what was happening before the crash.
0: What Grinky referenced there, Cheech and Chong, was a movie from 1978, which is literally as old as me. So, uh, Tim, you got to come up with a better analogy there, Cheech and Chong. I don't think people know what the hell you're talking about.
1: I think everybody knows who Chong is. I disagree with you. <laughs> All right,
0: so let's let's move on to just one other thing with weed. Lacrosse City, Lacrosse, passed an ordinance. Some it's an ordinance, right? Some years ago, uh, if you get yep. caught with under twenty-five grams of marijuana, it's a dollar fine because they just got better things to do, right?
1: This is, yeah, city has the possibility of an ordinance, so uh, people should just know that uh, police have discretion when they find somebody with marijuana, they have some discretion. They could could do nothing, just give you a warning. They could give you an ordinance and send you to the municipal court at the City of La Crosse. They could still arrest you and send you to the circuit court, which would be then the DA's office in my case. Um, So they've got some options. Most of the time, what they try to do is give people the ordinance. I know they use it pretty regularly, um, but there's always cases where it can go either up or down from there. But I think most of the time they're trying to Send people to municipal court unless there's something else going on like you're being arrested for something else anyways or there's something more involved in the case than just marijuana they might arrest you with a state charge and send you to circuit court
0: when you say they're going to give you the ordinance are they just going to show you hey this is our ordinance is that what you mean what Oh, does that i think mean?
1: they give you a ticket oh Sorry. they give you a t- they, oh okay they issue the ticket oh
0: okay so it's a, the dollar fine then you send Do you send a dollar in the mail because that seems really funny
1: I don't know. It's uh, a municipal court question. I don't know if they do that or not. <laughs> I have to ask
0: somebody that, um, yeah. And then my whole situation, my and not that I, not that this would happen to me. But I don't know why I would get pulled over. Maybe multiple times a week for maybe speeding on the Blue Bridge. Not that I ever do that, but the speed limit is 30 miles an hour, and it's awful slow. Uh But maybe I get pulled over a couple of times in the week, and I always have weed on me, but it's under this 25 grams. But Minnesota, it's legal now, so. Uh, you're talking, police would just have to determine whether or not I'm bringing this weed over to sell it or I'm smoking it or right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Again, they have discretion. Uh, if you get caught that many times in a week, maybe they say you didn't learn your lesson We to do something more. Yeah. If there's a large amount or it's, uh, there's some indication that you're doing more than just using it. They have the option of doing a further investigation. Um, so every case will be a little bit different, but they do have options.
0: All right, and uh, Andy texted in. We, we talked about this just a little bit, but he texted in. marijuana stays in your system for a month. Uh, the law doesn't recognize this, but yeah, I could not smoke for two weeks and still get charged for a DUI. Uh, I, did we talk about this over the break? I feel like we just mentioned this.
1: Yeah, there's, there's a difference of opinion as to like how long things stay in your system. I know people used to say you can smoke just a little bit and it stays in your system for 30 days. I think most people would say that's probably not going to happen, but somebody with a medical degree or more information than I would be better to answer that as to how long it actually stays in your system.
0: All right. Yes. And I have it. I have the, uh, crime lab of Wisconsin, the division of forensic sciences on my show notes here. So I will uh, shoot them an email. Maybe we'll have a show down the road here and then I'll get Tim up to speed that we will reverse roles a little bit, Tim.
1: Sure. (laughs) Um, all right, we're going to change. it gets complicated because these days you've got, you know different forms of marijuana they have got almost synthetic marijuana there's what is uh, hemp versus marijuana there's it's getting complicated, so it's there's a lot you could talk about and all the different forms of it and different forms, varieties, ways of ingesting it, so there's a lot there,
0: yeah, definitely, and then also there's all kinds of other drugs, so i mean there's mm-hmm. i guess if it could uh, you know another question would be like if they do a blood test, can they tell that it's marijuana versus, uh, cocaine? Probably. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very naive. I know nothing about this stuff. Um, all right. So moving on, I want to talk about just, uh, did we, did we do this a little, no, I, I teased it, but, um, are there, are there any trends happening in La Crosse County where, where you see, you know, this is a trouble spot or this is actually going down where, you know, this was pretty bad a couple of years ago and it's not so bad anymore.
1: Well, the, the worst trend we have, it's, it's bad news, is the number of overdose deaths we have. Um, the first half of this year, 2023, we've had 22 confirmed overdose deaths, and there's eight or nine suspected. So we're on track for maybe 50 or 60 for the year. The previous record is only 38. So the number of people that are overdosing from drugs is, is going way up, and so that's our biggest concern. Uh, the number of drug cases is up quite a bit from last year. Um, almost by more than a hundred, so we were seeing more drugs and more deadly drugs, specifically fentanyl and methamphetamine. Um, the only good news is we have had fewer gun-related charges this year by a little bit. Last year we had 70 gun-related charges at this time of last year, and this year we've got 64, so it's down a little bit, but it's still way up from three, four, or five years ago when we were having you know less than a dozen per year. So we got more gun cases than we used to. It's not going up so far this year, but we still have a lot of concerns about the number of guns that are being used and being found and being stolen in the community. So that's the only silver lining is it's gone down a little bit this year.
0: Man, it was it was less than a dozen a couple of years ago, and now it's we're at like sixty, seventy. What what is a like? Is there a common gun charge like? It went off in, in my house, or is there is, is there um, something we see a lot more than anything else?
1: I, I think it's a mixture of things. It's, it's uh, accidental shootings, like you mentioned. It's people carrying a concealed weapon. It's uh, felons who have a gun, and then there are shootings where it can be anything from you know, disorderly conduct up to homicide and everything in between. So it's a little bit of everything, and we're not alone. I think you see that around the country. There's been a lot more violent crime and gun crime in the last three, four years. I don't have the exact cause of it, but it's it's not just lacrosse. But we're part of it. We're seeing the same thing here that other people are seeing as well.
0: Well, I wonder if it's just the, the, the kind of the trend that happens, a, a mass shooting happens, the conversation politically is we're taking your guns, and then people go and buy a bunch of guns because they're worried about it. And then maybe they're just not, we don't have a... You know, I don't. I'd have to have a gun expert on. We don't have like a, a great system in place of of training someone on how to use a gun properly and and all that stuff before you would be able to get a gun. So they probably have a gun and don't don't know exactly what to do with it.
1: Well, there's some of that, sure. Um, there's some responsible gun owners. There's some that are not. Um, my biggest, uh, not biggest, but one of my pet peeves is people who have guns that don't take care of them. They they leave them in an open car. They just leave them laying around. They lose them out of their holster or out of their pants pocket or jacket pocket. And I think if you have a gun, you should try to secure it, make sure it's not stolen. You don't want your property stolen and not lost. And the, that happens more often than I think most people realize that guns are treated as kind of just things that you don't have to secure and they can get stolen pretty easy. And yeah. once they're stolen, it's impossible then to track them or figure out where they're going to go.
0: Yeah, I feel like it's. Uh, I'll just I make this comparison. And I don't know if it's all that easy to make, but I I bought a drone, and there's some regulations with flying a drone and around the airport and stuff. But I got a drone, and then I had to watch some YouTube videos to figure out how to use the drone, or read the little giant no, it's not that little, but the giant book on on how to use it. But I just have to kind of figure it out. You can buy a gun. And, and then, you know, if you don't know anything about guns, then you just kind of have to figure it out, right? Like, there's not, like, you have to go to this class to to learn how to use a gun.
1: Right, yeah, there's no requirement. There's uh, some very minimal requirements to get a concealed concealed weapon permit, but to just have a gun, you don't have any needs for specific training. It's advisable you get some, but you don't necessarily have to have them. That's correct.
0: Yeah, just I'm just watching you. I bought a, I bought a gun and now I'm watching some YouTube videos on how to use it. I don't know why I went Southern there, but um, all right. Mm. So in the, in the city of Lacrosse, we, we, we mentioned it and I don't, we don't have to talk about this one, but it is kind of interesting the drive-by shooting that happened in downtown Lacrosse. Crosse. Uh, seven people were injured in that shooting, I believe. And uh, the guy was driving the wrong way down the street, apparently, allegedly, and uh, police found the gun on the roof of a business downtown. Cause he possibly threw it up there and, uh, so we have the gun but then what, what the conversation always focuses on the guy and what happens to the guy what was his deal what was his motivation and it never focuses on the we kind of get lost on what happened to the gun so can we can we how 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 much uh how hard is it to kind of figure out cuz it's like okay the guy that did the the drive by shooting where did he get the gun was he lawfully able to have a gun and where did you
1: know and then where did
0: that gun come from how did he get the gun i guess is a better question right
1: Sure. Yeah, um, the police typically will investigate that as part of the crime. You know, where did the gun come from? Is it stolen? Because that might be another crime that's committed. It might be something that we can return property to the proper victim. Um, it's it, it, if the gun is sold legally, it's not that hard to figure out where it was sold because there's a record of a gun bought legally from a you know, licensed gun dealer. Mm-hmm. But once a gun is stolen or lost or given away, or borrowed, you know, once it gets out of that first owner's hands, it's really not very easy to find out where it went because there's no records. There's no need for records. You don't have to license a gun like you do a car. So it's kind of hard to track once it's stolen. Uh, A couple months ago, we had a burglary in Rockland where a gun store had I think 40 guns stolen. We recovered many of them. But if you had not recovered them, just think that's 40 guns that can go any number of different places and there'd be no way to find out, you know, where people got it from except for that original spot. So where past hands by the time you find it is almost impossible. There's also guns that are taken off the internet. You can basically buy parts of guns on the internet and put it together. And sometimes those are called ghost guns. Um, we had one of those in the cross a couple of years ago, uh, man named Timothy Young in 2020 shot a bouncer downtown at the, one of the bars downtown and the gun that he got, he got off the internet and, um, there's really no regulation of that because you're not buying the gun. You just buy pieces of it. And so there are things like that where it's kind of, if he hadn't told us that we wouldn't have known. Uh, So it's hard sometimes to figure out where the gun came from, especially when it's just gotten from another person or stolen. Well, the
0: stolen thing makes sense. But if you, if, like you said, the the Rockland gun shop had 40 guns stolen. Well, if you find somebody with one of those guns, you'd be like, dude, that was stolen. You have a stolen gun. How often is it like, oh, that guy bought it from somebody. You know, does, does the person that has that gun then get in trouble because that gun was initially stolen?
1: Well, maybe, but they might be have bought it uh, online from somebody who they didn't know was stolen. They just thought somebody was selling a gun. So yeah, it's easy sure. for somebody to present themselves just, I'm selling my gun, here it is. You know, there's no transfer of title like there's with a car. So the person who ends up with it may not know that it's stolen. So that's sometimes hard to prove because it may have gone through three or four different people uh, believing it's you know, not a stolen gun until it's found out by police. So it's difficult.
0: Yeah. So we're, we're, we're buying and selling guns, kind of like we're doing buying and selling tools where, uh, you know, a home Depot has a bunch of, you know, I see this all the time, uh, a, 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 like Milwaukee tool be on marketplace, not that guns get sold on marketplace, but it's really a lot cheaper than what, you know, say home Depot is selling it for. And then you're like, well, that's, I'm kind of questioning whether or not that's a legit sale there. Um, yep, and that happens, yeah. does, does somebody that's going to be... Like, what about guns that are bought at gun shows? Like, are, are those better tracked, too? Or do those go through the kind of the same tracking system? We know the serial numbers and all that.
1: Yeah, I, I think so. You know, to be honest, I know there's been a lot in the news about people worried about gun shows and uh, guns being sold there. I don't know that they've had too many cases where we found out that a gun was bought or taken from a gun show. Um, most of the guns we find are either easily identified like this, they got it from their father or their brother or cousin. It it didn't take very many steps or there's so many steps it was sold, you know, in Iowa 10 years ago. And from there, who knows where it went because it was stolen or reported lost. So it's either kind of easy right away or it's impossible. We don't see too many where we know that it was stolen at a gun show or things like that. I I just haven't seen that. Is
0: there a, is is there a better way? Do we have like, you know, this would be a good way to do this. I don't like a good system to mm-hmm. to keep track of these things. I mean, just compare it to a car, should we just do that?
1: Uh, well, that uh, that would be one way of doing it. I don't know if people want to do that, but that would be one way of having to register a gun, but I don't think many people are in favor of having to register a gun every time you sell it. Um but other than that, I don't I can't think of any other way. Um just like any other private thing you give people, you give a bike, you give them a microwave, you know, people pass down things all the time guns are part of that and a lot of families just pass on guns or give them as gifts or mm-hmm. borrow them or what have you and there, there's no no one keeping track of that as far as you know registering it anywhere and i i don't know if people want to say you have to register that every time you pass it on so that is kind of the big question in america's do we want to keep more track of that or is that is that overkill
0: well and um, then and then beyond that it, it, if one state does it and another state doesn't Well, that's not going to help either. It's got to to be all or nothing, right?
1: Yeah, true. And also, it doesn't usually matter in our case a whole lot. Like, the way they use the gun is what we focus on. I mean, whether they got it from somebody or lawfully or not is... It may be an additional crime if we can prove they stole it, but other than that, it doesn't add a lot to the actual crime. And guns that are used in a crime um, have to be destroyed by law, so the... Police cannot give them back to the person who used it. They have to destroy it. The only exception is if there's an innocent victim. Like if you had it stolen from you, you can get it back. But if you use a gun in the commission of a crime, it gets destroyed. All right. Yeah. I guess the the solution
0: there, though, I, I, I get that, that it doesn't really matter. But if we found a if we if we tracked him better and found a trend, like, oh, look, this is how these people are getting these guns all the time and that's not that's nefarious they shouldn't be doing it that way then we could kind of problem solve that way maybe we're doing that already i don't know
1: that's it's one uh, you're right it's one thing that could be looked at like there's a certain area where guns are coming from are there certain stores that are selling it to people they shouldn't be selling it to things like that but those things should already be being tracked um i think because guns are so movable they're You know, even rifles and shotguns aren't that big. You can move them very easily. You can give them to people very easily. It's not like a car where it's a bigger deal. Mm -hmm. And they're relatively inexpensive, so it's just not that hard to get guns or, like I said, borrow them or find them. Most people would be surprised how many guns are stolen from family members, uh, children stealing from their parents or grandparents or uncles or cousins or just people you know. That's why, you know, if you have guns, securing them is a good idea because... They're easy to steal, and they are stolen quite often.
0: Yeah, that was my next question. Is uh, like with all these things going on, and everything that you see, is like one of the big easy solutions is just keep it in a lockbox or some kind of you know some locked away somewhere, so a A can't be stolen or b can't be taken by by your kid or something like that.
1: Yeah, well, they are they are valuable and they are useful, and people do want them. So, like anything else that fits that category, keep your eyes on it and make sure you know where it is, and try to keep it as secure as possible. And
0: and people can get in trouble for for this, right? If your kid gets a hold of your gun and and the kid, you know, tragically does something with that, then is the the parent is liable? Then a little bit, right?
1: Yeah, there are there are some crimes that apply to parents who negligently leave a firearm you know, where the children can have access to them. Um, so that is something that parents need to be aware of. If you have children, especially, that's again just it's very tempting, and especially once people get in their teen years, children or their friends more often they know that you've got a gun in your house. It tends to be the one thing that they try to get at.
0: All right. That's, oh, and Timothy Young, the, the ghost gun thing. I mean, that's illegal, right? Is that illegal? Buying parts of guns and making a no. ghost gun?
1: No, it's it's not illegal. Um, because you're only buying a part of a gun. So there's nothing wrong with that. Um, so it's, it's getting easier and easier as the internet gets, you know, more and more intrusive in our lives that people can find, pieces of guns on the internet and buy the separate pieces and put it together and that's not illegal
0: that's weird okay maybe that maybe that should be <laughs> okay um all right tim i appreciate you coming on man thanks a lot Okay, bye all right that was lacrosse county district attorney tim Granke. all right we gotta take one break all right that's gonna wrap it up lot to take there from lacrosse county district attorney tim I appreciate him coming on uh, this podcast will go up on uh, wisdomnews.com slash podcast. Otherwise, just follow Lacrosse Talk PM. you to be a lacrosse political science professor, Anthony Trigoski, tomorrow. Thanks, everybody, for listening.